Hello, and welcome back to the Boomer Dad Millennial Comrades podcast. First up, we have our host, Evan. Hey, everybody. Third time's a charm, so hopefully it works this time, and I hope that our audience is And next up is uh, me, and I have a big podcast, so you don't really need to hear from me. Oh, I'm Jared. <laughs> Next, we have Zhen Zhen, our resident Chinese person. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our podcast, and uh, welcome our dad. <laughs> Next, we have Boomer Dad. And it is a beautiful 85 degrees in downtown Consolation, Cebu, Philippines. And now we have our boy Ozzy. Hey, how y'all doing? How y'all doing? It's a pleasure to always be here. I hope, hopefully, you guys are going to enjoy this episode. We're going to be talking about some right wing propaganda. Yes, with our two guests, we have Arthur. Hey, guys, thanks for having me. And Evan's roommate and best friend, Samuel. <laughs> Come out, you black and tan. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. Shit, guys. Okay, so today we're discussing right-wing capitalist propaganda and trying to debunk it a bit. Absolutely. And um, I actually, uh, for this YouTube video, we're actually going to be able to see the right-wing talking points. I think think it was best for our viewers on YouTube to be able to see them, uh, to see these talking points. So I'm going to go ahead and add these talking points to the screen. Let's get it. Let's get it right onto the first talking point that we wanted to get onto, which was the anti-communist propaganda of the economic planning doesn't work. Like that's that's a big talking point about communism. And Jared was the one who chose this talking point because he wants to defend uh, or wants to debunk this um, talking point. Yes. So, because economic planning does work, and it's uh, the best method to uh, the economy so I, ever invented. So it says, okay. according to classical economists such as Ludwig von Mises, or Mises, economic planning is at least irrational and probably impossible. According to them, setting prices through bargaining in a free market and through the law of supply and demand is essential in order to determine what to produce and how. Market set prices reflect the local knowledge of buyers and sellers regarding their needs and preferences and give information about what is relatively abundant and scarce. Shortages are a consequence of improper allocation of resources and they were all too common in communist states. In fact, the economic success of modern-day China rests on the fact that its economic model is a mixed one. I can say that's incorrect multiple for multiple reasons. And why is that? Why is that? Because actually the Soviet Union had an economic model of planning that was called a uh, scarcity model of planning where they purposefully under uh, built specific things. <clears throat> Excuse me. They purposefully under uh, manufactured specific goods because they didn't want to go over a specific amount to flood the market. 
Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say. And what, 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 what's significant about that? Why, why does that matter? How's that like important? Because they went from literally being a poor, one of the poorest nations in the world, to being one of the world's superpowers in less than seventy years through economic, through economic planning. I'll play de- devil's advocate, and I'll say that. Um, that a lot of people would say that you're incorrect and that the Soviet Union at the time was not a superpower and and it had just a very poor a very poor populace at the time uh, but what would you say what would you say uh, for that that they their people were <clears throat> much better fed and had more caloric intake than the rest of like the United States and they had more income per capita than the United States at that time. This is an editor's note. I didn't mean to say income per capita. I meant to say their income had more buying power because they didn't have to pay for things like rent because uh, they got their place to live for free. They just, you, they just, you didn't see it. Is that part true? Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. I've never heard of the income per capita, but it is true. They did a study, a scientific study or something about the caloric intake in the socialist countries versus capitalist countries. And the socialist countries had more calories and had a healthier diet than capitalist countries. Jared almost spit something out. He had to say something. One more thing is that Walmart. Have you ever read the there's a book called The People's Republic of Walmart, uh, which is literally about how Walmart uses economic planning to their benefit. Uh, that's all I gotta say. Here's Evan Beckman. Oh, go ahead. One thing it sounds like they're contradicting themselves because if they're saying that it it's a problem of like misinformation or not enough information, that's not a communism. You can't. That's not a you can't plan or like uh, communist planning doesn't work. It's it sounds like they're saying that there's a, a missing information that's causing them to not plan properly. But also, like Jared said, which was something I was going to mention, all of the largest corporations in the world use economic planning to to uh, do capitalism, and they do it extremely successfully. They know they they supply all their stores. They communicate together on supply and demand on what is demanded. They order supplies and they they ship it all over the country and the world. So. Planning works. It's just uh, it's just about properly planning things out. And planning actually does cause the economy to grow much faster than uh, <clears throat> like capitalist markets. But it also doesn't have to be necessarily be different. But yeah. What what about what about the the fact that they claim that the economic success of China of modern day China rests on the fact that its economic model is mixed. So. So the fact that it has well, capitalism and socialism mixed into it is what led to well, its success. Well, I would say I would say mixed economies do grow faster than pure capitalist economies. Um, but at the same time, if you are using, if we were to do like straight up socialism or market socialism or planned a planned socialist economy or whatever, that would grow faster than that economy would grow faster than a mixed economy. And, and Jared people, wanted to say something. Oh yeah. No, I just wanted to say. I literally just wanted to say that a full, a full socialist economy in China 
would grow faster uh, than a mixed economy. But the fact that the reason that they had to go back to a mixed economy is because of imperialism from the United States. Can I, uh, can I jump in? Yeah, absolutely. Frederick Hayek uh, was a British economist, Austrian, but uh, British economist and a political philosopher. And uh, mo most of what he had uh, said, Ozzy had read twice, uh, sounded a lot to me like it came straight from the Communist Manifesto. It was just a statement of fact. Evan pointed out that, you know, the blended uh, composition that Karl Marx had said that they have to go hand in hand. You know, there has to be a free market in order to fund the socialists. And hold on. Dad, I don't. I don't on. think that it's hold negative. On. I don't think that it's a negative observation. I think it's just a statement. No, no, that's not how it sounded to me. That he was saying that that planned economy. He literally said right at the beginning, planned economies are, if not impossible. What is it again, Ozzy? He said, if they're not impossible, they're hey, like almost you. impossible. It's ec economic planning is at least irrational and probably impossible. Yeah, so that's not that is not from the communist manifesto. That's not agreeing no, with Marx. Marx. In the next line, the next line is said according to them, setting prices through bargaining in a free market uh, through the law of supply and demand. Yeah, I agree to your point, Evan. That you know, a capitalist organized organized uh, clusterfuck like that, it's going to it's going to pinch people and it not it's not conducive to a free economy it's it's being manipulated it's being stagnated and being dominated by capitalism you know i can agree with that but it's you got to have you got to have both things parallel and they have to be fair they can't be well they can't be I would run say by bureaucrats i would say no to that that they don't have to be working in tandem that it has worked in many different countries. It worked in uh, in the USSR. Uh, it worked in it worked in China before the reforms. It works in Cuba. It works in Laos. It works in Vietnam. It works in Chile. It's it. You don't need a capitalist market. It's just because of imperialism and the fact that we have that they have. Yeah, he just said market, but I think I know. The way that I understand what Marx was saying from what you tried to see, from what you're trying to say is not that Marx was saying, oh, we need some capitalism in order to develop socialism. He's saying we build on the progressive aspects of liberalism and the bourgeois political movements, because at one point the bourgeoisie was was either proletarians or aristocrats or, or like merchants or whatever they were and they helped in overthrowing monarchism and feudalism because that was even more reactionary so capitalism was a progressive step at one point but at this point they're fucking reactionary scumbags and they're stopping the liberation of man bro you got really aggressive at the end I was gonna say, uh, and so that's why we don't need them. The dead, really, dead, 
did that leave? I heard it did on. No, no. There, uh, there, there also exists such kind of debates, like, like whether, like in in China, whether the economic planning was that bad, according to our textbooks, or not. Um. Yeah. So I think, um, like, like for example, um, many of like, like, like my relatives, like or elder relatives, they live in that period, with like plan economic, uh, plannings. Actually, a lot of people, like in China these days, they miss those days because. In those days, like uh, people, they live more equally. Um, there is the 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 disparity between people is smaller. So that like it seems that th that is also a very important metric to measure happiness, right? Um, and also another thing that I noticed is that um, so these days in China, um, so there are still a portion of uh industry that is public. Right. For example, like, at least when I leave China, like the healthcare system is mostly public. Um. So, like, so it it's one one thing that I noticed is that like what what a doctor means like in 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 the U.S. is very different from that is in China. So in the in the U.S. like when when I say say like, for example my dad is a doctor, they would they would suddenly assume that my dad was super rich, but it's not that case in China. So in China, doctor is like a, like a teacher, school teacher, that kind of that kind of job. Like they are similars. Uh, so we, which means that like actually the the health healthcare. So so the, the healthcare in the U.S. is sounds sounds very scary to me. Like before I came to still 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 today, right? So I like the the expenses is just uh, so huge. I think that has something to do with like. The the healthcare industry is private in the U.S. mostly private compared with in China. So I think, yeah. So the I think these kind of things they are important. And also, like when it comes to uh like education, my dad told me that when when he was a small kid, he 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 lives in the countryside. So when he was a small kid, he he said that like even and we we live very it's a it's a it's a very like it's not a very uh, big city or something. So so in in that so at his time there were many good teachers even in in those very small schools in countryside because Chairman Mao sent a lot of um like college students or like. People like people who are knowledgeable to countrysides to to be mixed with people there. So there are a lot of good teachers in those days. But yeah, so I still think like education system is becoming more and more unfair these days in China. But still, because like I think mostly it's controlled by the government, so they are able to like very actively to like. Put forward like policies to try to stop, uh, like these kind of private trainings and so on, uh, to make education more fair. Yeah. So, 
I would like to just cut in here really quick and say that Zhen Zhen just said that when the economy was more planned, it was more equal. And mm -hmm. I'm over here doing the success kid like, fuck yes, she's right. I um, I also just wanted to say, like, <clears throat> a plan. Think about it for a second. What is irrational, a planned economy or an unplanned economy? Should we have an economy that's run by the whims of some asshole who has the money and thinks that whatever dumb shit he does is going to make him more money? Or should we have an economy that is designed to make sure that everybody is provided for? Like, they say it's irrational or impossible, but guess what? It works, and it works better, and obviously it does. It's fucking planning versus let's not, let's wing it, yeah. or let's just let rich assholes decide let the invisible hand of the free market push <laughs> the economy <laughs> that's 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 funny though because even even in the in the capitalist's lens there is a non-physical uh, like being that that's being relied on right the invisible hand a non-physical thing that no one can see feel or touch that is supposed to drive the market in a way where it makes the prices fair quotations right like yeah. like like the least not even fair ex, the least expensive or the or, or in a way where the consumers save the most money buying it and the, Ozzy, it's because the only way that it makes sense to run the economy is to run it for the profit of the rich at the expense of everyone right, else right 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 i get I that God but, wants it to be this way. God set up the markets <laughs> to be capitalists because he just likes capitalists. He wants them to be rich. Right. No, That's I just I, I, I just I just I know find that. It... I'm joking. I'm being sarcastic. Actually, Evan was drawing an allegory between capitalism and monarchism. There you go. So so one of the major arguments the capitalists use here is that you wouldn't have freedom of choice or variation in products if the state owns the means of production. They say this, I assume, because they believe there'd be no competition between manufacturers and thus there'd be no incentive to produce diverse products. But the reality is that if we have the freedom to produce a variety of products without the shackles of capitalism, we would have an even more diverse array of products. So that's that's all I wanted to pitch in. And the way that would work, too, is if if workers own their factories then we would start producing things in a rational way and in a democratic way. So we would stop manufacturing the stupid shit that's just made for some asshole to be rich. And we would start manufacturing the thing that makes sense to make sure everybody's, you know, provided for it. But in a, uh, in a capitalist operation, it is the opposite when their whole goal is to corner the market. You know, to shut everybody else down, they they close mom and pop shops so they can dominate an area, so they can set the prices anywhere they want, and it really has nothing to do with a free market. It's you know, capitalism crushes competition. When Dad was talking about you know Marx, Mar like that, what they were saying seemed like you know it makes sense because we got to build on what we got to build on the progressive parts of capitalism. But that's the thing about capitalist capitalist markets is they're not progressive. Capitalism is 
one of the way, the way that the economy is set up is one of the reactionary elements of the bourgeois system, which is not progressive, which is not something that we need to maintain. It's something we need to dismantle and replace because it is stopping progress and it's causing it's I guess it was the word immiserating. It's immiserating like the vast majority of humanity. It's it's sucking the lifeblood out of the planet and out of people. And it's obvious. And it's true. Jared, Jared said capitalism is a succubus, but I think that has some misogynistic undertones, Jared. Not oh, really. He, he's right because it is it is a seductive liar. You know, they they're pretending to be free and open, you know, and a in a great societal tool, but what they're doing is they're seducing and uh, literally killing everybody they're crushing us so i do think it was an appropriate use yay jerry i just wanted i just wanted to say yeah uh incubi is the proper term for a male succubus and capitalism is an incubi <laughs> incubus incubus yeah yeah um uh, here's evan yeah let's move to the next topic ozzy if you if you would yeah yeah definitely right, homie and then oh, does anyone else want anything? Have anything to say before we move on? Well, I just, I just wanted to clear something up. You know, I've been accused here like six times of of saying that you know capitalism is great or whatever, and that's not in any way true. And I, right. we don't, and I wasn't. Yeah, we don't think you. We don't think you're saying that. Okay, we don't think it, you're saying that. It just, I, it. I think when we listen to this again, you know, over YouTube, where it'll be posted very soon, that uh. I'm I'm going to maybe understand that that you guys weren't uh... dead. I think what you're feeling is that you're the foil to our uh, to our to our shit here. Is that you're you feel like you're being uh, you're being accused of something, but you're not. You're just we're using you kind of as like a rebound to think of our own ideas. Here's Evan. I because you you sometimes you bring that up, Dad, that you feel like I'm accusing you or something. I'm not really accusing you. I'm just when I hear you say some things and I don't necessarily agree with or or necessarily understand exactly what you mean by it. That's why I then, like Jared said, I will kind of try to explain how I understand it, because to me. It seems like a contradiction when when he was Ozzy was reading the thing and it says oh, planned economies are impossible and irrational. That then you would say, well, it's like he was just kind of agreeing with the Communist Manifesto, you know, like at least the way I understood what you were saying, that sounded like ridiculous or something. But yeah, I think I I want to add one Mm -hmm. sentence. I think I think Ron made a very good point that I also think so. Capitalism uh, like crushes uh, free competitions and fairness. Yeah. So, yeah, let's move to the next topic. I, I have full support for Zhen Zhen. Full, right. full yeah. support for Zhen Zhen. Full, full support for Comrade Zhen Zhen. <laughs> Thanks. How about we talk about like the what what stigmas we have around the word the quote breadline or I mean the phrase breadline. Like when when you hear that and people talk about that, like what do you guys feel they're trying to say with that? I don't know. Uh, right wingers tend to use it as evidence to prove that communism is dystopian. Um, uh, you know, like, they they try, 
try to say it's a symptom of communism. I like I like that answer. Let's 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 hear let's hear from uh from Jinjin. Hey yo Jinjin. What do you think? Hey. Uh, can can you repeat that? Yeah, bread oh, Yeah, line. you can repeat it. So yeah, when, bread so line. Yeah. What what's the problem? What's the problem? Oh, what, what do I think of bread line? Yeah, like when 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 think, someone when someone discusses that. I think that's a, that's a good thing, right? No. Well, yes, absolutely, Jen. Jen. <laughs> it is a good thing. Okay. Yeah. In, in the U.S., in the U.S., Jen, we had during during the like nineteen twenties. This is where mm-hmm. the the term red line comes from, and there were mm-hmm. so many people out of work. It was really discouraging and disparaging, and uh, people would line up down the street to get into these bread lines just to get uh, a cup of soup and a loaf of bread. So what does it conjure up in your mind when you hear the word bread line? I see. So it is like a basic social, like, like it, it like it helps people who are really in need, right? Yeah. Um, I just want to let it, I just want to say, uh, dad, I'm mad at you. Cause that's literally what I was going to say, but Arthur wouldn't hand me the phone fast enough <laughs> to say it. Um, uh, so yeah, it's a good thing that there's no way that you can fall below the breadline. The breadline is the bottom and you are given food as a subsistence to live. That is a good thing, not a bad thing. But the capitalist would say, oh, look, you got to get in a line and you got to be given some bread and you're not like at home eating all the uh, shrimp that I just pulled out of the oven and I'm eating it. It's hot in my yeah. mouth. You didn't earn it. Oh, I think I <laughs> So, so I've I've heard like right wing media literally say use it as a threat. They use it as a threat, like yep. And they accompany the it's accompanied by footage of bread lines. You know, it's it's as if they want to say, oh, do you want to live off bread? Then don't support communism, or you know, something along those lines. So let me let me read you what um what this article says about bread lines. So it says. Yeah, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm going to read like a, a like a, a part of it. So it says, "We can't talk about we can't talk about Soviet cues without talking about breadlines." The word breadline is something that in itself has become almost synonymous with communism. Soviet economy was, to quote Peter Gatrell, an econo- uh, an, an economy of absolute shortage. In fact, much is both in fact, even the October Revolution of 1917 was caused partly by bread shortages. The, subs- the subsequent civil war did nothing to help the situation. And in 1920, grain production was only at 60% of its pre-war numbers. The failure to provide the population with bread, capitalize on the country's agricultural potential, and create reasonable allocation policies led to several famines in the first half of the 20th century, most infamous, the Povolize famine claimed lives of 5 million people. So, so it, and, then it, and then it says this scarcity spread over to other products. Yeah, the, only thing, the only thing I'm going to jump in and say before him is they were like, in fact, the Russian Revolution, where the communists took power, had to do with there being no bread. So how is that the communists' fault? It's like the imperial, the Russian Empire is spending all its money on a war in Europe 
And so the socialists rise or the workers rise up and they want the, the socialists and the communists. And that's somehow the communists fault and communists have no bread. Like what the fuck? <laughs> well, not only that, Evan, but you know, the, it, they said that the production of wheat was down to 60% or production of bread was down to 60%. You have to take into consideration where all the fighting was going on. All of the fields that were used to grow the wheat to make the bread was a battlefield. How the hell are you going to grow any crops when there's bombs and bullets and people's bodies laying in the way? You know, it just doesn't make it, it's more more bullshit propaganda. Yeah, I mean, first of all, it shouldn't be synonymous with uh, communism or the Soviets because we've had bread yeah. lines in the U.S. that had nothing exactly. to do with either. Um, you know, bread lines feed people who otherwise wouldn't have had food. It's a solution to starvation when, you know, during times where people are struggling with food insecurity. It's a good thing. You know, it's not at all a bad thing. Correct. <laughs> So I, I can sort of understand like now why people might view it as a bad thing because like they, they assume that like this kind of guarantees would make people to be lazy, right? That that's the that, that should be their point, right? That's the classic, yeah, that's the classic capitalist yeah. thing. So and that's the thing I wanted to say too, going off both what Arthur and you said, is like so if a community comes together and like makes a food pantry and guarantees food to any member of their community, like is this a bread is this the breadline communism that they're so afraid of where people are making sure that no one's going hungry in their community? So food pantries are evil communism and like feeding people is communism. I mean, this is the level that the right stoops to because the the right wingers in the US have been voting against making sure that every kid at school gets lunches and they've had like and they call that shit socialist and it's absolutely insane like voting <laughs> against feeding kids is the most insane oh. thing you could possibly do one person actually said the other day one republican said um what was it that he said he said kids don't eat <laughs> he what? said something like yeah he said kids don't eat kids kids don't need to eat or something in defense of his voting against feeding, uh, making sure that all the kids get school lunches. So, yeah, maybe we should maybe we should check that guy's uh, voting record and see how much welfare he gave to corporations. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Both of the parties are controlled by the corporations because that's who who gives them their bread. That's the breadline they're standing in. That's so, right. All right, but so welcome, uh, welcome back. I will, I'm gonna welcome myself back from the little break that we took, the little, little respite. So, I'm ready to talk about these points that are on the screen, which is basically uh, what the Gallup um, has most uh, has recently found out about Americans, and what the Pew Research Center has found out. What's that? Tell them, tell them what the respite was. What was the reason for the respite, Ozzy? Oh, oh. He had to pee. Yeah, yeah, let's let's say that. I had to go I had to go to the bathroom. Yes, absolutely. Um, all right, that sounds good. So all right, so uh one of the points that that it says is we can we can say definitely that the word socialism is viewed more negatively than positively by Americans, taken as a whole. 
Gallup most recently found that 39% of Americans have a positive opinion on socialism, compared with the 57% who have a negative opinion. Pew Research's most recent survey showed 55% with a negative opinion of socialism. All right, guys, so what do we think? What do we think? Why, why do we think there's so much negativity towards socialism in the U.S.? Could I go first? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I would like to say that it is not only the fault of uh, McCarthyism that people have such a bad opinion of uh, communism and socialism. Um, it is – well, part of it is McCarthyism. That's what I'm saying, um, which means that they specifically target communism and say, oh, the bread lines. Oh, you can't have uh, – Persecuting. Yeah, they're persecuting communism. It's all the – it's all the – they say bad things about it. I think uh, I think one contributing factor is that the average person fears change, and people are so used to a capitalist system that they, you know, literally fear changing over to something new. True, I can accept that. And I would point out that it's if you split it up, like the polls change over time, and like I don't know, like two years ago or something, it was higher. More, it was more percentage of Americans view it positively, but also it depends on how you like who you're talking to. So that is including like I don't know whoever the fuck answered the phone, which also skews it towards older people that have landline. Normally it was like landlines that they used for this thing. I don't know if that's still the thing, but also no. if you if you look at the poll, if you look at the polls, a majority of young people, which is something I said over the hiatus. Majority of young people support or agree or view po socialism positively. So, you know, that's good. We do have a majority. It's just like among uh, younger people. And the one of the things that's keeping a majority of Americans opposing or not having a positive view is that there's a lot of older people who are being brainwashed by the media to tell them that, it's bad, it's bad. Arthur has something to say, too, so. Uh, to go off what you said, Evan, a lot of the older people uh, have most of the wealth in our country, and therefore they have a lot of power and clout versus the younger people that don't. Different class interests. Yeah, yeah they have different class interests because poor people are more proletarian. Uh, poor people, <laughs> yeah, poor people are more proletarian. <laughs> I, me I meant to say young people are proletarianized at a higher rate than older people. Older people you tend to have, you know, over time they've worked or whatever invested in property. So especially owning property, owning a home is the way most Americans have some sort of wealth because they, that's, you know, the, their nest egg, that's what they can sell at the end of their life to, you know, retire if they have to, among other things. But Well, this is what I have to say about that. Okay. Uh, one, one ass hat, ignorantly said a politician a vote for any democrat in the 2020 vote is voting for the rise of radical socialism and the destruction of the american dream winston churchill said in 1922 his he continued his effort uh to expose the realities the realities of socialism Socialism, he said, is barbarism and slavery. It is the rule of the few, 
made absolute over the wishes of the many. It is the, it is the suppression of freedom by the socialist elite whose use, who use compulsion and corruption in every form. Now, see, if you, if you stuck a mirror up there, you know, you could say that was the exact definition of capitalism, you fat fuck. <laughs> you know, Damn, you roasted. It, it, it definitely, that definitely, like, it's funny. When I was seeing this, all I could see is capitalism. Especially on the part where it says barbar bar, uh, barbarism and slavery, I'm just like, um, well, I feel definitely enslaved to my, well, to work uh, for mm -hmm. these um, very shitty jobs or jobs that don't pay very well. Because if I don't work, then I can't eat or live anywhere. And the barbarism part is just how I, if I don't do these things under this capitalist um, system, I will be left out in the street. I will literally have to find a place to shit and piss somewhere in the street or in my pants and then wear clothes <laughs> that will get dirty as shit. So, like, I basically, I will look like a savage. Under a capitalist well, system, not, bro. So, bro, the real, the real, the real. In my mind, uh, Ozzy, if you were homeless, the pigs will come beat the shit out of you and throw you in jail. So, uh, yeah. they won't let you live on the street. They won't let you live in a tent. They won't let you live in the woods. If they know you're in there, they're gonna come get you and they're gonna go put you in jail to do some slave labor. But here you go, uh, Arthur. I was gonna say something similar. Uh, that the real barbarism is the fact that most of the people in our society will blame you for being homeless instead of the society itself. And also war and shit. Well, I, I did want to say about Winston Churchill, he is such a piece of shit. I love how so many people are like, Winston Churchill is the best because he was the guy that was the prime minister of England during World War II. But it's... It, he said he was one of the guys that said like we need to strangle bolshevism in its crib like he, he thought that communism was such a threat to his aristocratic like privileged life and he also he also talked mad shit like he said so much racist shit he said so much Let about me, my thoughts about that is i don't think there's such thing as uh social socialist elite i feel like i feel like off the top of my head, I feel like the most privileged socialist that I could think of was probably Friedrich Engels and maybe I think Peter Kropotkin was also part of the royal the Russian royal family um, but I, I feel like other than that like a majority of like prominent socialist figures have always come from like very working class backgrounds all of which are like non elite. Um, and I, I feel like it's, I feel like that quote is very hypocritical to say the least. Very much. Very um, much. So what about your, how you say there, there isn't what a socialist elite, like what about if a social, what about if a socialist 
government takes power and they become the ruling power are they how are they not necessarily elite i think that in a sense that i think that they could become elite but i think that there needs to be a uh continuous effort on educating the masses um as opposed to like uh I guess sort of like do as I say, not as I do. Like you're going to do this. There's no questions asked. Um, so are you saying, so, so are you saying then basically the rule, the, if, if there's a socialist or a communist party that is the government of a country that they should remain focused on all the aspects of you know, the uh, ideas of democracy and education and all these goals of making the society better and helping to teach people instead of just being like, you do what I say because I'm the government. Is that is that kind of what you're saying? Yes, it is. Um, yeah, I think that I think you have to constantly engage with the masses to prevent um I had like another form of alienation occurring. Um, and I think that's like, you know, like here in America, we const the government's constantly doing things against our wishes. Um, and they're constantly doing things that hurt the masses and it's causing us to feel even more alienated um, from society. And I think that, I guess, governmental activities like that are sort of the reason why there's such uh, anti-government bias in places like the United States to start with. Sorry, here's Arthur really quick. <laughs> I just wanted to say that's why the government should be made up of workers instead of politicians. It would oh, yeah. it would prevent corruption and there, there wouldn't be a caste of any sort. I see, Good. so... It, it is like like more monarchy right like it's it's like it's somebody who holds the power rules everyone so mm -hmm. it happens like so like in like in Soviet Union right so that also happens right mm -hmm. although that Soviet Union was a socialism or whatever, like socialism country, right? Or union. Um, so I think that is some. So if we talk, if we're purely talking talking about these concepts, right? Socialism, it has nothing to do with that that additional thing. Yeah, but somehow, like in social, in, in so so socialism countries, um, such kind of things happen, right? Uh, it happened before, right? What do you mean? What that happened before? She like, she's saying Churchill was right. Like sometimes, right? Because, like for example, how do you? like Soviet Union like the collapse of the 
like in Soviet Union, like 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 the leader holds the power, right? Mm-hmm. And everything we everyone listens to the leader, right? So that that's 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 what that England has been described, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I, first off, first off, Churchill was mm-hmm. trying trying to inflame the British people to justify the the acts of the British army and navy against the the Soviet Union. The, mm-hmm. You know, the, the communists at that time in China hadn't really taken any any steps to, you know, threaten the world, so to speak. And mm-hmm. Churchill was mostly speaking of the Soviet Union, the USSR, but it, in in my opinion, if you hold like Ozzy said, if you hold a mirror up to that, and you you think about barbarism and slavery, I think about capitalists and capitalism. You know, it is it is the plutocrats who hold the absolute power, and it is the plutocrats that have the control of the media and the government. And yes. they do. They do compulse, use compulsion and tyranny and corruption mm-hmm. in every way. That that's true. That's true. But but like for example, in in, so, in Soviet Union, at least at 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 like later stage, it's not it's not people who are rich that are doing the bad things. It's people who empower uh, political officials. They have the biggest power, and they can do whatever they want. So, so Jen, Jen, you're saying that in uh, leftist societies there have been, I don't know, uh, things similar to what happens in capitalist societies. Just to clarify, like corruption. Um, corruption, yes, but the corruption happens not, 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 not um, like it's, it's, it's another portion of people that that can do the corruption, not the rich people, um, but people who hold the power, political officials. I would like to push back on what Jenjen said. I disagree with the with the assertion that uh, the leaders of the Soviet Union uh, were corrupt, um, at least until uh, at least until Gorbachev. Um, before before him, I would say that they were they were actually actively working towards the the working class's best interest. Um, uh, that's all I wanted to say. It's just that I, I, I disagree with the assertion that they were corrupt, but here's Evan. Your opinion is noted, Jared. I, I would say that it's super easy for a political class to entrench themselves and become a new ruling class. So even if you are if the party there and, and you can see over time how so many parties have changed ideologies or changed stances like the democratic party originally was a white supreme well actually originally originally i don't know if it was so much found like white supremacist as it was like kind of this weird populist because actually the original whatever i'm getting i'm getting into too much detail i guess like there was the whig party there was the federalists and the whigs and the whigs or the Federalists won out, I think. And then there was the Democratic Republican Party, which went up against the Federalists, I think. 
but then it's split into it kind of split into two. But the Democratic Party has changed over time. So you can have a communist party that comes to power on like Marxism and socialism and moving towards communism. And then as it becomes the ruling party, it becomes more conservative. It becomes entrenched in it becomes bureaucratic and it becomes self-sustaining and 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 corrupt where no longer it's about uh you know communist ideas and now it's just about maintaining power i mean that's possible my my main thing that i would say on this topic is that ex excess is a problem um allowing allowing like allowing things to go too far um not in the sense of like oh having a communist position is extreme and too far but in the sense of unnecessary violence allowing violence well um allowing people to to violently uh you know hurt obviously that's what violence is if you're hurting other people in the name of communism i'm sorry but you're not really doing communism the whole point is to try to do things better but yeah i mean i just would say me like stalin i think stalin was not good i think stalin established a bureaucracy that went on that continued on even though kind of you know after him they pushed back a little bit they denounced stalin they, it still remained bureaucratic in the soviet union and i think you know mao it, some of the things he did you know he didn't he he didn't stop things that should have been stopped. But, um, you know, after Mao, Deng Xiaoping, he kind of just restored capitalism in a lot of ways. So I don't know. It's a complicated issue. Um, but I just I just want to say that in, in support of, of Jen's observation, you know, two things. Socialism, if you divide it down, you take the ism off and it's social and communism. It's a commune. And, you know, what Churchill was saying defies both social and commune, you know, and his definition is full of shit. It was just propaganda trying to, you know, distort and uh, create socialism as this monster, this hideous thing that everybody should be running away from or getting torches and trying to burn up. But as Jen was saying, you know, the people who are at the political top are the ones that wield the power and they do have their influence, you know, and they do use their influence sometimes quite unrighteously. You know, they suppress their opponents and, you know, they do do things for their own good, for their own favor. And it's going to be whether it's a socialist party, a communist party, or a democratic party, or a republican party, whatever. They're the people at the top are the ones that are going to make those decisions, and if they're corrupt, they're going to be, you know, a, a corruptive influence on society as a whole. But in socialism, to me, and I've given you the definition, my definition of socialism is that it is a community of people working for each other, with each other, to support each other. You know, it lifts all boats. It is the true way to to equality. Is you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna say we need equality, then you need to have it done through socialism. And 
you know, communism, take the ISM off, and it is a commune. And when you're thinking about a commune, you know, you're talking about a community, and if everybody is caring about each other, you know, their neighbor, their friend, their family, whatever, then you don't really have an interest in burning down the other guy's house, you know, or flooding their basement. You're not looking to be destructive. And I think that it's these points that are going to bring socialism to the United States to a point where there will be an 85% positive outlook and the other 15% are just going to be the assholes that, that want to dominate and push everybody else around. The barbarians, the, you know, the slavers, the people that, uh, Churchill was actually talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So, so I think I think so socialism, well, socialism and so socialism, socialism doesn't mean there's no demo, democracy there, right. right? So they can come together, but 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 he seems to use socialism as opposite to democracy, right? So yeah, that might be the problem. Um, yeah, and also I think as like just to. For, I just want to comment on what Evan just said. Like for, so for I think so for, from my understanding for for Chairman Mao, so he 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 actually started that revolutionary war or something. Is that called revolutionary war? Right? No, it's yes. called like cultural be, revolutionary. Be, cultural yeah, revolutionary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Social. Okay. So so. He started that revolution because he was very afraid that after he died, like the, those people who are in power would be made, who who now holds power, would make the whole country to become like capitalism again. So he right. was. Which, which so kind he, of so he, can, can you say again? I said I uh, didn't mean to cut you off. Which kind of happened? Yes, which, which kind of happened? So he was afraid. So he. He, he, so he started that cultural evolution, a revolution. The the goal there is to find, to 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 let people like to average people, students or working class people, to find whoever might be a right wing person and educate those, uh, like, educate those right wing people and so on. Like so, his purpose was good, but the the thing just went a bit off or like too far away so yeah. yeah and he didn't he wasn't able to stop that actually he didn't treat president president Deng, Deng Xiaoping that well he actually he, he, well, he, <laughs> he, he yeah he actually he several times he 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 he, he, he like he got rid of Deng's power like three times and then at, at when, when Mao was alive, he he was he he was Deng was really miserable, but 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 like but at that time during Cultural Revolution, those students and those left wing people they 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 could actually like do very harmful things to Deng like they they yeah. might, but 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 Mao actually protected Deng although he he doesn't like Deng he didn't like Deng at all. But he, he he didn't let those people to murder him or, or whatever. So, and yeah. and that well, guy. That's later, not what I mean. I, yeah. I I'm not an expert in I'm not an expert in Chinese history at all. Uh, 
And I the there the thing that I would say that Mao did wrong isn't like starting the cultural revolution. It's it's more so allowing certain acts to go too far, like acts of violence, which also yeah. is like, is he God? Can he just command people to stop? At, uh, but whatever. I'm just saying there's something, you know, I could definitely and I don't know all the history, but I could definitely, you know, see where Mao, you know, made some mistakes or and made decisions that ended up causing some harm. But Arthur and um, Jared have had something they wanted to say for a bit. Uh, so to, to go off of what Jen Jen said and also Ron, you know, uh, our elected or in some cases not elected leaders are human, you know, and, and as such, they make mistakes. And that's why we need a worker state instead of electing one person as a leader. It would be a little bit, I don't know, safer for everybody. Um, you know, one person shouldn't have more power than everybody else. That's so what happens? What, what? But what happens when a when it becomes a bureaucratic process? Mm. And everything goes to hell. Well, that's uh, that's a conversation for another day. We should literally do an episode about uh, a worker state. But what Churchill had to say was literally a rebuttal to Lenin when Lenin said it's either socialism or barbarism. So all he was saying was, no, you're wrong, and I'm a, I'm a dumbass for saying that. That's all, he, that's all that Churchill was saying, and he, uh, he, he was wrong. That's all, that's all I have to say. <laughs> well, the way, the way that he said it, the way he put it together, definitely made him look like a dumbass and a fat fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, dude. So a lot of people... Have always um, have always talked about how a socialist uh, or a socialist country has always led to an authoritarian government. But Mike, yeah. I just wanted to ask quickly: Do we think that the governments themselves are the problems, or or is it the political ideology that creates the problems with government? Um, authority, authority, ah, authoritarianism. Well, I, Ozzy, to answer your question really quick, as an anarchist, I would say that government itself is authoritarian, and we need to do away with government as a whole. Um, and that's the real issue. Read Bakunin. <laughs> and Arthur, Arthur will put put it very succinctly. What did you say, Arthur? Uh. That we need a worker state instead of electing okay. one official to make all the decisions. There you go. Everyone about, needs to make this together as equals. What about what about you, you Jin? Um, I agree with I agree with them, and but but I also think I also think actually like for political ideology would play a role to make like political officials to be less like to be la to, to be more fair or to be more like selfless right so because if if everyone thinks it's it's very like legitimate go to pursue money then like everyone would just work for themselves but if 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 in a society where everyone's common sense is that we need to make 
make, make like we need to guarantee most people's benefits if that's what they believe that would make things last worse i think amen yeah the, the only thing I, I didn't hear that part because i was in the bathroom any of the end part but the only thing i was going to say was i did hear jared say socialism or barbar barbarism was lenin but that was actually something rosa luxembourg said which is late later but i'm but i do agree with the whole idea which is that what winston churchill was saying was he basically was just being like throwing a shit fit and being like, oh, my God, like socialism would make me less of a rich, privileged asshole. And it would uh, and it would make make it so I don't get to lord over all these British people or, and like this entire empire anymore. So this seems pretty bad for me, guys. Right. Come on. <laughs> this is bad for me. But um yeah, Sam. Sam hasn't said anything the whole thing besides the intro. Uh, I had to take a phone call. Do you do you want to say anything? I don't think government is inherently bad. I think that there were there have been governing bodies um, that have sought to organize their society in a good way. Um, I think that the problem with government as it sits right now is it's built upon millennia of like poisonous ideas infecting the human race um and therefore has led to what it is today and it's going to take a lot to undo all of that so that government um can be something that is viewed positively and can be something that actually works for the people um but we do need to wrap this up all right. Uh, yeah, we, I think we've lost Evan. By the way. Oh, okay. Well, I think the best way to wrap this up is obviously with. Um... Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think I think that's definitely the best way to wrap up this episode. You know, with the Chinese national anthem. <laughs> <laughs> No, but um, Dude, I'm jamming good, out so hard, bro. But good day and good night from the Philippines. All right. I love you all. I love you all. Love you too. Every every stinking one of you.